Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Good morning. You are listening to the Mystery of Parenthood. We would ask that you would slow down a little bit as we um, as we talk about parenting, as we talk about um, the church, as we talk about all things Jesus. And um, we ask that you would just, for this moment, uh, bow your heads and pray, unless you're driving, of course. Don't bow your heads. Just pray with us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So excited. We have um, one of our regular guests to talk about this. We have Thaddeus uh, in the studio. Howdy, Trey. How's it going? And um, perfect for the mystery of parenthood, we're going to be talking about the best-kept secret in Catholicism. Not, not my title, but Monica. Monica Ashour is joining us. Um, hey, Monica, with Tobit. How are you doing? Hi, Trey. Hi, Thaddeus. I'm doing Hello, well. Monica. So glad you're here. Hi. Any new uh, any new papal letters to tell us about? <laughs> no. I don't know why Pope Benedict didn't write me back uh, another time. <laughs> <laughs> you're not pen pals quite yet. For those listeners who uh, don't remember, the last time we had Monica, Monica on, she had the great news to tell us that she got a letter from Pope Benedict the Sixteenth uh, Emeritus, uh, his his secretary, correct? Um, congratulating you on your work with with Tobit, and uh, just briefly, just it's recap a, that again, yeah, for us. That's, that's such a neat story. Yeah, it is a great story. Um, you know, uh, four years ago, I went to the canonization of Pope John Paul, and when I was in front of his tomb, I'm like, "Holy Father, please pray for me and help me to listen to God. What should I do?" And then I did the Body Matters uh, with my team, and that. The 18th book is being completed, even as I speak, um, 18 out of 18. And so I decided I wanted to write Pope Benedict just to let him know that this good stuff is going on. And so his secretary, um, Archbishop, uh, I think he pronounced it Gaswain, wrote back on behalf of Pope Benedict, who said that the theology of the body is, um, I forget the exact quote, but something to the effect of, 
a really good response to gender ideology. And so he thanked me yeah. for my work in the theology of the body. I love that. way to go. Yeah, that, that is awesome. That is awesome. So <laughs> yeah. tell, tell us this so people that haven't heard, hopefully they have as many times as you've been on the show, but about Tobit and what your mission is and anything you want them to know before we get started on this topic. Cause once we get going, you know, it's a fast paced roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, I know. It kind of keeps going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was one of the co-founders of the Theology of the Body evangelization team known as Tobit. That was back in 2001. And um, ever since then, we're trying to promote St. John Paul's fantastic vision of the human person, particularly how we are body persons is the, the term that Pope John Paul um, gave to us. And so many people, Trey and Thaddeus, think of theology body, they, they think of sex and sexuality. Right. Um, but I, I'm trying to make it a bigger, broader vision that it's a Christian anthropology. Mm-hmm. And then upon that, you, you run into Christology, and that, you know, that means how we're saved and all about Christ, as well as what it means to be a member of the church. And then um, Pope John Paul in the theology body the first section is called the words of Christ, and the second section of theology of the body is the sacrament. And so I really do think that it's, it leads us to encounter Christ in the sacraments. Right. So if you were to say, like, pinpoint one main thing, it would be the word gift, and then a particularly in a, in a bodily manner, we, we encounter the God of the universe in the sacraments. And so that's why I entitled it The Best Kept Secret, even if sacraments are not secrets, but... It's like no one talks about it, or very few people talk about it. And so here we are. Yeah, they don't. They they don't. And I and to be honest, I mean, I I'm, I'm a cradle Catholic. I'm not a convert. I mean, I started at the University of Dallas IRPS program, and you know, right after you did, we had just met, and um, mm-hmm. right at, right when you were here at uh, Texas A and M, and. I mean, like one of the first classes we took was on the sacraments, and and I'm literally going through this book and and I'm I'm okay what I can name the seven sacraments maybe barely but but at the time but what the heck is a sacrament I mean and I think that that's you know that is gives me a hard time because almost every one of my talks gets back it it doesn't matter what will always get back to some sense of sacramental theology because I think that to be catholic well, to be Catholic, you have to understand not only what a sacrament is, but what it does, what it, what it's capable of doing, and who it is that's acting in your life. Um, and so, I, I it's just something that struck me as a cradle Catholic that at thirty some odd years old, when I was taking my uh, theology courses, that that was the first time it ever struck me to even ask the question. And then once I found out the answer, it, it's amazing. Maybe that's why we don't have as many people um, who believe in the real presence of Christ and in the Eucharist mm-hmm. or believe mm-hmm. that marriage is what it's meant to be. But anyway, I steal your thunder. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just well, want to put I just want to put that. I think I'm pretty typical. I believe yeah. as a Catholic. Right. Someone just told me this past week when I was in Baltimore that the statistics say that. Um, the older members of the church, I think it's only 55% really believe in and acknowledge the true presence. But for the younger, um, young adults, I think it's somewhere around 70 to 80% do not believe wow. in the true presence. 
I bet they haven't been taught it. And so, you know, this last book of mine that I'm writing, it's called Catholicism for Everybody. It's part of the Body Matters for preschool through eighth grade. And of course, since Catholicism for Everybody, it, the second chapter has to include the sacraments. Right. Uh, I'm calling it Sacraments as Many Covenants is the second chapter. And then, Trey, to kind of launch onto what you said, uh, without using the terminology for these eighth graders, I say we have to have a sacramental view of reality. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so one of my charts I put on this one of the first pages is Catholics choose both. And then I have a column on the left-hand side that's visible, and then on the right-hand side is invisible. So mm-hmm. it's body and soul, reason and faith, natural and supernatural, earth and heaven, time and eternity, human and divine. And then um, part of the page I'll put, you know, we, we hold both of those true. And part of the main reason is because Jesus Christ, you know, is the God-man. You know, he's, he's mm-hmm. both of those Um you know, natural and supernatural, and and how the incarnation was able to establish this incarnational or sacramental view of reality, and I just think so many people just lack that understanding. I do. And I, I would argue. Completely. Tell me if you agree with this. That I think many really good Catholics only emphasize the invisible side: soul, faith, supernatural, heaven, divinity, eternity, divine. Without, and they kind of skip over the truth of the body, that it is through the material that we experience the supernatural and the sacraments. And God invented it that way through his son, Jesus. So what do y'all think about that? Um, That's certainly possible. I I would just submit that um, just recently I was speaking with, uh, we were doing some cleanup in my house after a uh, breakdown of discipline (laughs) and, um, and some some emotions being, being showed, you know, very, very prominently, um, by one of the younger members of the family. And I was talking with this, this person and, and saying, helping them to understand that, you know, you can't, you can't necessarily get rid of your emotional state. You you can't get rid of your, your anger, but what you can learn to do is you can learn to control it and you, you do that by, by how you handle your body, by your body language, by what you do with your arms, your tone of voice, the look in your eye, your, um, mm. and the, and as you moderate your body, that moderates your emotions and that moderates your mental state. And you then can manage yourself. And I said, and that's, that's exactly why we, kneel at some points in the mass and we stand at other points in the mass and we sit at other points in the mass because our body tells our soul and our intellect what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to, um, in, you know, interface with, with the divine, so to speak. So go ahead. Is that, yeah, I think think both of y'all. Yeah. That that is awesome. It's so great. And it's a great application of, of the way thank you, you thank you very much yeah so because we, we used to tell like our oldest had a temper and we used to say get when they when we saw that he was about to lose it to get self-control and if you can picture a young kid putting his hands you know folded over um tightly <laughs> one with the next you, he's he'd almost turn his hands would almost turn blue but it was true that that if he could do that 
long enough, he would eventually calm down as opposed to just letting himself go. So even those events, that's, that's a practical application in terms of, of how you help a child learn how to handle it. But it also reveals not only to them, but to the parent that, that we are this body soul composite. I mean, we're, we are, (laughs) we have both an invisible and a visible side. There's something that's going on and our bodies are connected intimately. uh, Right with it. I don't know if that's even the right word. I'm going to turn it over to the, mm-hmm. to the Tobit expert, but I, but I, I know that, <laughs> that we've always talked about as, as parents, we need to understand this truth about what a child is, what, who we are. And the, that's why I love that you want to extend. I wish I could show you uh, just as an aside off, I'm going to, I'm going to go get some old notes from about 2004 and that whole kind of human and divine <laughs> That I guess what are those the binary things or what I don't even know what the correct word is, yeah. but I've got a whole the page. Is kind of what I call I've it. got a whole page on a note. It's probably two thousand four. So, um, anyway, I, I think it is so important for us to uh, to understand it, and it has a practical application in terms of how you deal with your children as well, even in a tantrum. Mm-hmm. It, so. Exactly. A teacher called me this morning and uh, she's using the body matters in her Chicago school. And she's like, Monica, I think you're spot on because she says, now that I've told the students to like actually notice each other's bodies and, you know, they they had to get over the weirdness, you know, I don't know what age group it was. It might've been fifth grade, but she says, what they do is they realize, oh, that body is saying something and teaching me something about the entire person, which is why St. John Paul would say the body is like a sacrament, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, the visible sign of an invisible reality, which brings about that reality. And, you know, we're all made in God's image and likeness. So part of the reality is, you know, divinity that we who are baptized, you know, we, we also have not just our humanity, but through supernatural grace, divinity, Mm-hmm. And she was just saying, this is terrific for for the children. And then they have more reverence for each other. So I appreciated that, too. Yeah, and I think it's so important as Catholics that, that, that we as parents are able to first understand ourselves, but then communicate this. This is a Catholic way of looking. This is a, I always say, okay, let's back up. This is a truly Christian way of looking at people. I mean, in the strictest mm-hmm. sense, because... We are incarnational people. As the, I don't know if you had Dr. Herman, but I always remember he said to be Catholics to be punchable, and um, <laughs> I, 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 it's always stuck with me because it's true. Though you can't, you don't disconnect. Pinchable or punchable? Punch, either way. Okay, <laughs> it works either way. Either way. But but it means that we actually have a body that's connected to, and we get, you know, we have the owl and the heard of why did you do that to me all those things are showing the fullness of a human person at that at that moment there's not some disconnect between what we don't see our soul and what we do see our our body anyway how would what would you say to that yeah i first of all tim herman yeah i had him he's great yeah um yeah and then i would um if you'll allow me, yeah, go on, please. I'd like to kind of zero more in on a, a TOB approach to the sacrament. Yes. Because now we've kind of covered the sacramental view of reality. Right. And then what Pope John Paul says, and 
Here's a direct quote, and then maybe y'all can help me unpack it because it it's pretty dense. So any parents, if y'all want to tune out for this. Surprising. I'll, I'll be back in just a second. <laughs> so thus, marriage constitutes, on the one hand, the, and I, to paraphrase, the blueprint for the sacraments and the underlying weight-bearing structure upon which the sacramental order is built. Okay, so the key word there is like marriage. And it is like the blueprint for all of the other sacraments. And so with this eighth grade book, the second chapter, I try to unpack that for them. And again, this is not, um, you know, sexuality, it's marriage. So for instance, a married couple who are actually living out their vows through their body in all aspects of life, they give and to and receive from each other. And then their openness they, they are open to fruit and their fruit, you know, sometimes as a child, fruit is also service to others, you know, prayer with the family, bringing others to Christ. And so that giving and receiving and fruitfulness is one aspect of marriage that I highlight. And then what about the sacraments? Well, guess what? All the sacraments, it's the giving and receiving reciprocity and fruitfulness. So Jesus Christ, especially from the cross, where we get all the sacraments, gives and we receive, represented like by Mary, Mary Magdalene, and St. John, and then we reciprocate, and then there's fruitfulness. You know, every sacrament is meant to us to have us expand out, you know, to help others to understand who they are in Christ and, and to expand our own holiness. So it's kind of one aspect of marriage. I could go on to a, a couple of others, but do y'all want to comment on that one first before I, I move on? I love the, I love the trying to unpack in my mind the blueprint. It's not the structure itself. I guess the structure. I mean, in my mind, the blueprint is a is a visible kind of drawing. It's not the actual building. It's it is something that you look at to say, oh, this is how this works. This is where this room is. This is that and mm-hmm. I don't and this is me talking without having without having thought much about it but I think there is some that's because ultimately marriage is meant to be a reflection of the relationship between in within the divine within God right I mean so mm-hmm. so marriage is meant to be I guess something that points us to that reality which we can't see if everything in, well, certainly, I guess that's also why Jesus calls, or the church is called the the bride of Christ, that there's that marriage that is kind of foundational. Mm-hmm. And then and in Ephesians mm-hmm. 5, one of my favorite points that I always, when as you read, when he's talking about, you know, as Christ loved the church, you know, the, from 522 down to the end, it ends. And that's where we actually got that, you know, the, the, this is a great mystery. Um that that aha uh-huh. uh-huh. this is a great mystery at the at the end i always go back to that and point out to people as he, he's talking as if he's already spoken to them about the relationship between christ and his church in other words he's saying like that you don't use like if it tastes like chicken and nobody's ever tasted chicken they have nothing to compare it to <laughs> so if he's comparing marriage to this relationship between christ and his church he's saying y'all should know this <laughs> And now I'm pointing mm-hmm. to it as the example by which mm. marriage is meant to be. 
and therefore marriage becomes the blueprint for those who are looking at it of Christ's relationship with his church and, in fact, the actual relationship between the three divine persons and the one God. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never thought about that, Trey. That's neat. I like that. I hope it's, it's I hope kind it's of right. an understood thing. <laughs> yeah, that St. Paul is. <laughs> I think a, I think a, a place where it marriage and by extension the family is also a blueprint is what I got started thinking about as I was listening to the quote you re- you read from Pope John Paul II and then Trey's conversation or, or his piece. Um, I took myself back to the the two greatest commandments to love God and love neighbor. And then, and that there's a, there's a linkage there between loving God flows into loving neighbor and the way you love neighbor flows into how you love God. And there's, there's a feedback between those two. And then that Matthew 25 of, well, how, you know, when, when did we love you or when did we not, love you, Lord. And, right. and he says, well, anytime you gave drink, anytime you put clothes on the back, anytime you gave food, anytime you cared for the sick. And all of that is at work in the marriage relationship yeah. and in the family in, in that I can profess my love to my wife till I'm blue in the face and all day long. But if I don't live it out with my body in those math, Matthian ways, if I don't love her as neighbor, then I'm not loving God. And I can't claim that I love God if, if I'm not loving my spouse and my children as neighbor. St. John says as much. You, 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 if you don't love your brother, it's not possible that you love God. I mean, he Mm -hmm. says in in his letter. So, Uh, mm -hmm. you know, every time, you know, Every time you fail to love your your spouse in those ways or your children in those ways, you are the biggest hypocrite. So, and and one other thing, if I'm not mistaken here, the first three commandments are our relationship to God. Yep. The the connector is honor your father and mother, right? Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Great observation. Beyond that, so it seems like that would be consistent with God's way of thinking. He's going from this Mm -hmm. is our relationship. Okay, here's Here's the one that's the foundation for all the rest that follow. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not. Everything else flows from honor your Mm -hmm. father and your mother. I don't know. Yeah, and it's almost like um, with the sacraments, we receive that grace to be able to go and live as body persons and and love family members and friends and strangers and, you know, the the poorest of the poor. so what do y'all think about this uh, with that back to that giving and receiving and fruitfulness of the family? So then if, you know, you're a parent and you're talking to your six, six-year-old or seven-year-old and he or she is about to receive Holy Communion, you know, then without saying, oh, it's like marriage or it's like family life, you, you could say, look, Jesus Christ, you know, is about to enter into your body at First Holy Communion and then for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And so he's giving the gift of self to you by giving. Won't you give the gift of self by receiving? You know, and, mm-hmm. and say, you know, it, it's this encounter with Christ. And then that strengthens you to be nice to your brothers and sisters. You know, that's the fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. So how else would y'all um, 
kind of say that to children I, if you use that metaphor, giving and receiving fruit? Yeah, I think I think that um, one of the things I would encourage all parents, I, I was fortunate enough with all but one of my children to actually be the person responsible for teaching their catechetical class on their during their first communion, all but one. And, um, and I could, I hear people, parents saying, well, they're not, they can't fully understand it. I think you're blowing them away because you're giving them, this is really, <laughs> this is Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Can they really get that? And I'm like, and my question to them was, do you really get that? I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, we have to say, yes, I believe, right. but we have to give all the, our children. I say, number one, they're baptized. If they're baptized, the Holy Spirit resides in them. So the Holy Spirit's going to help you. Do not, and I think the church, I, well, I'm not saying this. I think there's far too many people at various stages in delivering the truth about the gospel, Jesus Christ himself. They water it down or they start making assumptions, well, I got I to gotta tone this down because they can't really get it. And I know there may be some things that, that, that that's the truth, but with regard to saying that's Jesus and he's about to enter into you, his entire self and give, I would say that's exactly how you have to do. You have to, you have to say, I'm about to receive God himself, not, not a, not a symbol, not just a symbol. I'm, I'm about to receive him, his entire being, his humanity and his divinity is about to enter into me. And my job is to give myself back. And that's where true happiness comes. Yeah. And that's where true fruit yeah. comes. <clears throat> this is kind of a side, a little side conversation. If we can just step yeah. off the road for just a second. I've you do that word symbol. I've been wondering about is, is the word symbol being, has it been being misused over many decades? Do people not understand what symbol means and they use the word symbol when actually they should be saying that it, I mean, it's a that sign it, that it is a or a word. sign. Um, Monica, any, any thoughts on, yeah. any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that actually. So oh, yeah. our, our fifth grade book, the body is a sacrament. We deliberately said that, you know, the, the different sacramental signs, which the three of us know, and probably all the listeners know the word symbol means to throw together. Can I clarify what I was saying just before you get rolling, just, just so I'm oh, clear yeah, about sure. what I'm, sure. so I'm, I guess what I'm wondering about is when these folks are getting these poll questions put to them and they're responding back are a lot of them saying, well, you know, it's like, it's a symbol of, it's a symbol of Jesus. And what they, they don't understand that they're saying they, maybe they do believe in the real presence, but they're using the wrong terminology. And the person who's taking the, the data is oh, putting them down as, okay. oh, they believe that it's a symbol. Okay. So that goes over in this, you know, in the category of the pre-established category of, oh, they believe it's a symbol. And even the pollster is not, they're not aware maybe of the difference between, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm wondering if there's a breakdown in how the polling was done. Well, as and, Monica, I'm going to step on, I'm going to step in here and just say that both of us had a professor that would have said, okay, you got to define your term. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's kind of where I'm yeah. coming from. So now, now go, please, please proceed. Well, well, that's so that, that kind of begs the question. We're not sure about the answer, but it would sure be nicer, right? That, 80% of these young adults actually 
they might believe in the true presence, but they use the word symbol yeah. instead. But so to my point, we, we decided to use the word um, instead of like a, we used a stop sign and then a stop sacrament. Hmm. So, huh. in other words, a stop sign doesn't do what it symbolizes, but right. a sacrament right. does. Right. So the sacrament, I think we've talked about this before, that the sign reaches out and stops a car, you know. So I, I, I just think that, yeah, the word symbol is probably misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, you know, what, what we're about is like the, the true presence, you know, you know, body, blood, soul, and divinity as well. So, yeah, I think you're pondering that is is right on. Right. Um, so, if you don't have anything else, I, I'd like. And there's to that the idea about one. the sacraments um, affecting that which they signify. symbolize mm-hmm. or what they signify. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's probably lost. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's lost on a lot of a lot of people. Yeah, I like that. I love the mm-hmm. stop sacrament yeah. the idea of it because that ties it back into. Because I say, look, it's not just it is something that's that's teaching us to, to unpack us the sign for what it is. Number one, because the sign was given to us. It's not something that was invented by us or even by the church. It was something that Jesus gave to us, God gave to us, right? It, you can step in if I'm, if I'm misstating this, but that God gave this to us out of his love for us for, for the sake of teaching us by the sign, but also for the sake of actually providing the grace, the power to actually affect <laughs> what it signifies. Right. So, so I'm going to go to mass in a couple of hours at the university of Dallas. And so when I receive the Eucharist, you know, this body to body encounter is one, one focus. And then we could talk about like, well, what's, what's the, the sign of that? Well, bread has many parts mm-hmm. that through fire is brought together and you know, the grapes before the consecration, they, they were smushed. They had yep. to go through suffering, and you might say, um, and then be brought together. And, and it takes time to, you know, have wine to, to ripen in the right way. And so what does that have to do with my life? Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes I have to be ground. Is it Ignatius of Antioch? Remember he says that? Yes. Before he, he dies. Before he dies. And so... Um, and, and then, you know, am I ripening enough in my life? You know, do I allow God's grace to kind of take over me um, so that I, I'm a person who loves? So that's sort of what I take these signs that a, a deeper understanding of the, the Eucharist as, yeah. as a sign, you know, uh, it would, would be something that I would probably say to kiddos well, we at did, age-appropriate level. We did, when we did, the, the very beginning of Red Sea was was asked to teach a class that was going to be pa- parents and kids. And the first thing we did, Fa- Bishop Mike Sis now, but Father Mike Sis allowed us to um, actually make Eucharistic bread that was that was used in an actual daily Mass on a Friday here. And what we did leading up to that was unpack what it took because most kids today, most kids don't have never seen bread (laughs) made. They, I mean, most, I mean, most of by Mrs. Baird's or whomever the H-E-B brand off the shelf. And so we actually unpacked it all the way from, okay, you got to pick the, the wheat. And it's pretty high class too. 
Take, Mrs. Referencing Mrs. Beards, I mean, come on, okay. Wonder Wonder Bread, maybe. Wonder Bread, maybe. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but but the but but what would happen was is as we were parents and children were looking at these different things, and and you asked the kids, what could this maybe say about why would Jesus have picked this sign? You know, what does it have to do with his life, and what would it maybe have to do with ours? What I found was is third graders were capable of making that connection even before some of the parents <laughs> could make the connections. I mean, things that were coming out of third and fourth graders' mouths were like, oh, my gosh, Holy Spirit is here because this is doing it. But what I think is is that we need to dive into the signs because they're the signs picked by Christ himself, right? And and so what you're saying is are you letting yourself ripen or th- th- those type of things are things that, that we should help them point you know, to point to them to say, this is the way God works. And this is the reason the sacrament, sacramental sign is what it is, because he's trying to teach us something. But he's also, at the same time as he's teaching, is empowering us to actually do that. That's what's exciting about being Catholic. It's not just all on us. It's not just us willing that we're going to be good. <laughs> it's, it's us learning what good looks like through the person of Jesus Christ and saying, that's where I went ahead, knowing that when I fall, I have the sacrament of reconciliation to go back and do that, but always recognizing that God's going to provide the grace to elevate our nature, to help us overcome those shortcomings in a slow, (laughs) uh, ongoing process of conversion, I guess. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we could, keep going through all of the, the different sacraments, like confession, like what, what, what is it that, um, is like the, the sign, you know, what, what is it that helps us to understand? And so for me, one thing is I am going in in front of another person who is referred to as a father. And so no matter what I say, there's going to be love and forgiveness and acceptance and belonging and, you know, bringing back to the fold. And so that's part of what um, I, I would say is that, not to mention the, the words of absolution. What would y'all say about confession? Yes, sir. I mean, I was, you know, from Marcelino D'Ambrosio, it's, you know, it's contrition and uh, is, I guess, the matter of that to be truly sorry. And, and then the, mm-hmm. uh, the absolution of the priest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that, that's probably one of the harder ones to do, but it's central. I I think it's, um, for, for me, I would see it in in the fact of, and you kind of spoke to this Monica, but that idea of being in another body's presence with your own body. Mm -hmm. And then you have to say what you did wrong. It's one thing to think what you did wrong. It's another thing to say it aloud to yourself, maybe in the mirror, but it's another thing entirely to say it to another person, to say it out loud and hear it with your own ears and he- and see the, and have another person and know that another person is hearing you say that. And so I think there's, and there's something maybe um, cathartic about doing that with, with your body um, that's built mm-hmm. into our humanity. Well, it's taking our whole humanity mm-hmm. seriously, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's why, and that's why the sacrament is what it is. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, yeah, go ahead. You go ahead, Monica. 
Well, I just remember also from IRPS, Trey, that every sacrament is going to be sense perceptible as well as communal. Right. And so, you know, with that, we could point to the tangible, but also know it's not just me talking to Jesus, although, of course, I could do that privately on my own, but a sacrament involves the entire church. Mm-hmm. And in this case, we're represented by the priest. Right. And I, I think it's great. And, and I, I'm going to kind of veer off a little bit, not not totally, but I but as we're talking about this, I used to always say for parents as the kids grow up, and this is a whole nother show, which we maybe need to do, but for parents as kids grow up, if you can teach them this way of looking at life, this sacramental way and and, the, and what they are, then when you get to the point where you have to have the, you know, the talk or with like the, the conversation that should be ongoing, then you've built into, you've built into their understanding of what it means to be human, this sense of what is sexuality and where does it belong and what is marriage? Because I even find myself telling kids, okay, so when, when kids ask like, well, what's wrong with that or whatever, when I have fr- even my own kids, I'll say, okay, so let's back up. Marriage is what? What's a sacrament? What does that mean? And then I make them define. <laughs> Mine is always it's a visible sign Mine, of an invisible reality instituted by Christ to confer grace. grace. So what is it a sign of? The catechism yeah. adds entrusted to the church now. Right, entrusted. Well, good. Entrusted, and, and it's entrusted <laughs> to the church. So, that, so that's going to have to be updated be in the catechism. Okay, the catechism is going to have to update that because we've got to be in line with that, of course. But there's a sense in which it, that means it's entrusted to us in the domestic church, not not in the same way, mm. but but that that it's for us to actually deliver that information to our children, and and if there you can understand if there's if there's 55 percent of the elder older people people my age that that don't believe that, notwithstanding that they may misunderstand the question, but yeah, yeah. assuming that's assuming that's the case. Then it would not just by multiplication. I mean, if if one per if that two people that are married have not been teaching that to their kids, and they have two kids, all of a sudden now you get to seventy percent pretty quick of the of those other mm. kids. It, it multiplies. Mm-hmm. It multiplies the other way too. By the way, I mean, I mm-hmm. that's that's the the good news and the bad news is mm-hmm. is that yeah. it's our job. So go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, I just was remembering, like when we were talking about confession, when I was a teacher and I was explaining the sacrament of reconciliation, and then I was trying to explain like the satisfaction, like the penance. And so often people think, oh, you're earning salvation, you know, and, but one of my students who was from China and was not Catholic, after I explained it, she raised her hand and goes, I understand perfectly. When I was, I think she said seven or something, and she stole a cookie from the cookie jar and Thaddeus don't start singing the song. Uh, (laughs) She said, um, when I stole that cookie, I realized it was wrong, but I didn't want to, you know, I I knew I needed to make up for it, but I couldn't already ate the cookie. So I took a nickel and I buried the nickel in my backyard as kind of like, I'm sorry for what I did. And she's like, you Catholics get it. Wow. So well, we should like get it, I guess. Tangible thing. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we should we get it. Indeed. Because I know, like, I've, I've heard certain Christians, they, they think that what we're doing is that somehow this is gain. No, we, we've been forgiven. This is, this is something for us to participate in. 
in mm-hmm. gratitude and just there's something human about needing to make up for make restitution for something that I've mm-hmm. that I've done. Yeah. I mean, like exactly. I always say, with a little kid, well, even when they're older kids, I've talked about the them breaking the window, you know. When I go out there, y'all gonna you're gonna break a window. No, Dad, we're good catcher. You know, we can catch the ball. We're not gonna do it. I said, listen, you're gonna break the window if you don't turn around. Turn the and the ball beat me into the living room. I mean, it came through the window <laughs> on cue, and you know that window had to be replaced. None of them had enough money to fix the window. None of them did. They could they they could certainly couldn't do it. We had to fix it before then. They came in. We're very sorry. Um. First, initially, <laughs> because they knew. And I said, look, it's not that you broke the window. What it was is that you knew what was the wrong thing to do, and you broke the relationship with me because I was out there telling you, don't do this. So the window is just a side issue, but you're going to have mm-hmm. to to show you want to restore it with me. You're going to have to ask for forgiveness. They did. I've forgiven you. Window's still broken. I'm going to pay for it, but you're going to help me pay for it. What I'm amazed at is you that know, you spoke to them in that tone of voice, oh, too, when it happened. That is what's so incredible to me, because I would not have been that calm. Thaddeus, you, you, <laughs> yeah, you know it didn't go down quite like that, at least initially. But The truth hurts. <laughs> well, no, I mean. But mean I'm right that. there with you. I'm admitting I would be the same way. Well, I mean, who, who wouldn't? Particularly if you just went out there and did it, because it was the timing was was literally spot on. I yeah. mean, I f- don't do it. I'm fine. It's not nothing is not going to hurt anybody. It's okay. And then shut the door. But knowing you, knowing you, you were both mad that it happened, but at the same time you probably had another thought in your head of, oh, this is perfect. This yeah. is just this is proving what I wanted to do, what I wanted. This is well, perfect. That's it. So that so that so when you're when you're purposefully parenting that's people, right. okay, and you start to see you you will still get mad, but then you start seeing the benefit of well, something a lot worse could have happened. Yeah. And <laughs> and that you can teach this lesson and it will have enough bite right. for them for them to get to get their attention. Right. And so those are the those are those moments that you can learn to teach. Anyway, I di- I digress, but I don't know how we got you there. sure do. Yeah. But I love it. <laughs> hey Thaddeus, do we have enough time? We have about I was just gonna thing? Wow, you are good, Monica. I was just about to say we have ten <laughs> minutes left. So you're okay, it's all great. on you. Go. So here, here's my um, another thing that. So remember, marriage is not only the blueprint, but it's the weight-bearing structure of all of the sacraments. Right. And so, in my book, you know, like Atlas, who holds the world and the heavens on his shoulders, we're trying to use that image for marriage. And so, if marriage topples over, we're not going to understand the sacraments as much. Mm-hmm. Which oh, is one boy. of the reasons why I think we're starting to get in the trouble, we're tr- you know, because of the redefinition of marriage. Yep. So here's my um, conjecture, and I, this is my extrapolation of the theology of the body. It's not in the theology of the body, but I think it's true to the theology of the body. So I'd like y'all's comment on it. What I um, try to show is that marriage is of the same nature, and then it allows for union, and then fruitfulness again. And so in this book, to eighth graders, I say something like, have you ever been to a wedding where marry, a man marries a shark or a woman marries a stuffed animal? No. Why not? Because they have to marry someone of the same nature. Mm-hmm. So that's Adam and Eve. But then the next paragraph is, and this is my subtle way of going against homosexual, quote unquote, unions. And so 
you know, have you ever received a wedding invitation where a man is marrying himself? No, why? You have to have a husband and a wife because of complementarity. That's with the E, so it allows for union. And then my last paragraph is like, when two people, if they just stare at each other their whole life, do you think that's going to be something exciting? No. You know, it's meant to love and meant to expand and bringing children and others. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of setting the basis for marriage. And then I'd like to compare it to the sacraments of initiation. So baptism is where we receive the same nature. And when you're of the same nature of God, because of uh, baptism, where we share divine life, now we could be in union, that Mm -hmm. union with our Lord. And then we're meant to spread that to others through confirmation and fruitfulness. Mm. So marriage is of the same nature, union and fruitfulness, and then sacraments of initiation, baptism, same nature, Eucharist, union and confirmation, fruitfulness. Wow. You think it works? Yeah, I like it. I do like it. I do like that. Yeah. I mean, it's... And how can we convey it to children? I, I, um, I do think that maybe... Parents. I don't know. What, I don't think this would necessarily fit in specifically with the eighth grade curriculum, what you're saying, but when you talked about the redefinition of marriage, it sparked to me that maybe we need to be more courageous as Catholics and as a as a church and talk about <clears throat> the current redefinition of marriage is really just the kind of the end of the line. It's not, it's not the big, it's, it, it's been going on. Marriage was getting redefined when no fault divorce was made legal and start, you start changing the nature of marriage there. And this is the, and you, and you introduce contraception into the, the marriage relationship. This is the, this is the end of the line of, of those other earlier redefinitions. I think that's that. I think that kind of takes some of the the um, the bias maybe out of what you're trying. Uh, mm-hmm. What's being said? Does that yeah? Does that make sense? Yeah, that that makes sense. And when you're saying that, I was deliberately substituting the word marriage for the sacraments. So, in other words, um, basically, that the homosexual couple cannot have that truest union. Mm-hmm. And so what you're saying is like, it would be the end of the line for the Eucharist because there's no expansion. Right. It is, um, you know, just a, a redefinition of the Eucharist leads us in the wrong way. Right. So you see the analogy I'm trying to do, like yes. whatever you say about marriage can be said about these sacraments of initiation. That's right. And it's a real problem. If we get marriage wrong, it's this toppling over, yep. you know, like Atlas falls over, and then we don't understand the sacraments as well. Yep, and that's why that's. I mean, that really is. I mean, the. I think the attack is um, well understood by the enemy. I guess they 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 understand if that, and I think a lot of people, many who call themselves Christian, don't understand that. They, they don't understand that that's, it really matters. The minute you leave, you let that go, then something else is going to go, and then eventually you're going to end up here, which is why I would say Pi, I mean, Pope uh, Paul VI, say, I, is he a saint now? Yes. Yeah, okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say, look, when you have the fullness of the truth, 
you can be prophetic because it's the natural consequence of things that you're doing. In other words, it's, it's an understanding of humanity in such a way that you can actually extrapolate out. It's, it just, it's a logical progression to get to where we are. So when he was making predictions, which everybody thought was nuts with regard to increasing divorce, all the different things that, that the contraception was supposed to, you know, help make things better. And he was saying something different. He understood what you're talking about here, what you're talking about, about marriage and about if you start changing just a little bit, it's going to impact everything going out. Is that? Yeah, precisely. And, and I would add, and, and the devil, the deceiver, he wants to especially attack the body and its meaning. Yes. You know, because as Tertullian says, the flesh is a hinge of salvation. And so, and then the sacraments all are, you know, are about the idea of God becoming flesh. And so to, to go at the body whereby I could get a divorce, I can use contraception, in vitro fertilization, all of these are a way of saying the body does not matter. But with the sacraments, we know that the body matters. And so the more we know more about the sacraments and enter into a personal relationship with Jesus as he meets us in this tangible, sense-perceptible way, I think the more we're going to come to understand the truth of marriage and it's all, all its reality. Man, I mean, I, just, I know we're down, we're down to a few minutes here. And I, as you were talking, I was just thinking of so many different things I'd want to I, would want to bring up, which just means you're a recurring guest. So as long as we haven't run you off, yeah. <laughs> we got more, more topics to go. But, uh, so tell us, so how much time do we got? We have about two minutes, two and a half, two minutes. minutes. I, I do have a, a memory verse, but I'm going to let you get the, your plug in, um, Monica for your whole program, how to get a hold of you, all that type of stuff. So that people know, um, because you have such great stuff. Yeah. Thank you, um, Trey yeah. and Thaddeus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tobit.org, it's T-O-B-E-T dot org is how you could find us. You know, North Texas Giving Days, September 19th, 1919, or 2019. And so if people want to donate, because Planned Parenthood usually gets a million dollars on that day, um, you could go to Tobit.org, and your money will be going to us finally printing these last books. Awesome. So um, I would really appreciate that. And prayers for me and my team. It's been four long years, but probably by the next time I am, I'm on the radio with y'all, everything will be done and finished, and um, it'll be a breather then that I get to take. Can we get can we get that all, like maybe on at least the, the, the contact information on the website or whatever we do? For North Texas Giving Day, is that what you're asking for? I get, or, or just uh-huh. make sure Tobit That's is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, nine nineteen nineteen org. T-O-B-E-T dot org. Well, Monica, I, th- I mean, goodness gracious, I, I, we, I, we really probably need to get on the phone and talk just to talk, but we have one minute left, so we can't do that. But Monica, thank you so much for all you're doing and just keep up the good work and we'll uh, keep pointing people your direction and look forward to having you next. So um, I'm going to use this verse. Uh, it's going to be first John four twenty. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And so remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. 
and he will. God bless you guys. Pray for us. We're praying for you. Go Panthers. It's Cougars. Sorry.